Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench in Quarks or Red FM with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7 o'clock. I have a hectic and a very busy show lined up for you tonight. Mosvin joins me live to dissect an Ireland performance today. They got their first win in the Six Nations. So we'll be chatting to him in just a little bit. Jim O'Connor retired from Camogie during the week. A warrior and a legend. We're also going to hear from her and how she feels in retirement. Irish athlete and sprinter Olympic hopeful Leon Reid joins me. We're going to be chatting to him. John Fogarty from the Irish Examiner. He was at today's GA Conrace. We're going to chat about the black card, the split season, the Mayor Ferna and Larry McCarthy becoming the 40th president of the GA. Also, we're going to hear Larry McCarthy's personal address from Congress today and a special mention to Bishopstown. All that and more on the Big Red Bench in Corksford FM. Good evening, good afternoon and welcome to the Big Red Bench in Quark's Red FM with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until seven, as I mentioned just a few moments ago. We have a very busy show, so I'm going to get through it. Um, first of all, I'm going to get down to the sports news of the day. So Ireland have their first win of this year's Guinness Six Nations. They've beaten Italy 48 points to 10 at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome to finally get off the mark. Uh, Will Connors went over the line twice, Andy Farrell's side, as well as Gary Ringrose, Hugo Keenan, CJ Stander and Keith Earls. Um, that's great for them. Finally, we'll be chatting to Moss Finn in just a little bit. Earlier on, West Brom have beaten Brighton 1-0 in the Premier League game at Hawthorns. Elsewhere, Man City's incredible winning run continues. They beat West Ham 2-1 in the first game of the day to earn their 20th consecutive victory in all competitions. Uh, Diaz and John Stones with the goals in each half for Pep Guardiola's side and the City boss was pleased with his side's performance after uh, they earned a tough three points. It was obvious. Uh, every person who saw the game, uh, it was really tough, difficult uh, because the opponent is incredible, well composed and, and they have everything. So big compliment for West Ham. Right, Leeds host Aston Villa and that was underway since half five and Villa are 1-0 up and Newcastle and Wolves are at St James's Park from 8 o'clock. Now turning your attention to some golf, Seamus Power is best of the Irish at Puerto Rico Open. He's six under par after playing six holes of his third round. Patrick Harrington is one under with just one hole left to play today and the lead is held by American Brandu Wu on 11 under. Also, uh, Leona Maguire is three under par after 10 holes of her third round of the Gainbridge of the LPGA Tour. Uh, that leaves a cabinet of eight, eight shots off the lead. And Rory McIlroy leads the Irish Challenge into day three at the GWC Workday Championship. He'll tee off from five under at, at just quarter to six he teed under there. And he was six shots behind leader uh, Brooks Kepka, sorry. Open champion Shane Lowry's one under after two holes of the third round. Also in cycling, Ireland's Sam Bennett was narrowly denied a third stage win in a row at cycling's UAE Tour this afternoon. He's from Carrick and Shore and he was just half a bike in length behind Caleb Ewan at the end of the sprint finish in Abu Dhabi. So Bennett has also finished in second place on the points classification. Now today, also I did mention we'd be chatting to John Fogarty a little later on, but it was the GA Congress and I have spent since 10 o'clock this morning till about 5pm this evening in and out of the Congress. Oh my God, I hope they never again have a Congress online. That's how I hope. It was just so, you know, there's a lot of teething issues, of course, with so many delegates on trying to vote. 
But uh, Larry McCarthy is now the new 40th president of the GA. John Horne gave his final address today. We will be hearing a snippet from Larry's address a little later on the show. Some interesting motions being put to Congress today. The split season got the green light and so did um, cynical fouling in the hurling and football. We'll chat a little later on about what exactly went down at Congress. Now, also, let's turn our attention to rugby. Ireland finally claiming a victory in the Six Nations afternoon. So that means a bonus point win. They're third on the table and it finished 48-10. I mentioned earlier on Gary Ringrose, Hugo Keenan, Will Connors with two, CJ Stander and Keith Earls. And the extras coming from Johnny Sexton. Um, a good afternoon for Ireland squad and Andy Farrell. Joining me live on the bench with reaction is rugby legend and Corkman Moss Finn. Moss, a good day for Ireland? Absolutely, yeah. It's a very good day. It was a very comprehensive win. Um, we showed a lot of good things going forward in particular. Um, the... You know, the forwards got go forward ball. Uh, Tyke Furlong and Kilcoyne made some great driving runs in the first half. Our backs sort of they cut loose a little bit, weren't afraid to pass the ball in contact. Played extremely attractive rugby and we got our just rewards. So all in all, a very positive start, a very positive um, win of, of our first win for the, this time around But in the Six Nations. But I, I would say overall a very comprehensive, competent performance but it must be said it was against opposition, which, unfortunately, you must say, Italy at this point in time are a basket case. And, you know, the old cliche, you can only beat what's in front of you. We certainly did that and we were confident, yes. You did mention Italy. You know, a lot of people are saying, yeah, they got the job done. But can we, you know, can we see that Ireland progressed from this game? We probably can't. No, uh, you, 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 you know, you, uh, as I said, you can only play what's in front of you. But Italy have gone back in recent years, and you know there was talk of relegation in the Six Nations, which would be a good idea because the likes of Georgia would be better than them. But Italy are very, very poor, you know. And I mean, I, I would honestly say that Cork Constitution would beat Italy, with no disrespect to Cork Constitution, which, which sounds ridiculous. But they're they're only barely better than an average club side, I, I would suggest, and. You know, you should be beating them comprehensively. It's a little bit faster than ways. But at the same time, we showed sort of creativity that we haven't shown before, particularly offloading in the tackle. And we weren't what you might call risk averse. And we tried things and it was refreshing to see it. You did mention a while ago about Ireland not being afraid to take the risk. And we saw that a lot today, which is something different and something new. They're not afraid of the risk. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Joe Smith was very regulatory and he was in charge of a lot of these fellas for years in Leinster in particular originally and then with Ireland and that and he used to insist that we weren't allowed to offload in the tackle and that because we weren't it wasn't something innate it wasn't something we had in us from, from childhood or, or, or did things you know under 12 or under 14 we didn't have it naturally like New Zealand does have and he, he precluded Irish rugby players from doing that you know but Farrell and Cat have come along with this sort of thing the strategy of playing heads up rugby and have a look around and, you know, be spontaneous. And they're trying to promote that. Rome wasn't built in a day, like, but at, at least we saw a start of that today. And this thing of, you know, you, you saw, say, uh, Lowe going into a tackle, they're offloading with his left hand. That's the way forward. And I, I think we have the ability in Ireland to do that. And maybe Farrell and Cat have taken off the, the sort of reins and might leave us go. And going forward, we might be more attractive to watch play a better brand of rugby and play winning rugby maybe against better opposition with that attitude. To look at some players' performance today, I mean, Craig Casey, quality debut? Fantastic. I mean, I, I spoke about him there a couple of weeks ago. 
He's a, he's a dynamite little scrum half. He's indigenous Irish, he's indigenous Limerick, born with a mile from Thomond Park. He's a fantastic little general, and he's just what Ireland needs, and he's a perfect foil for Conor Murray. Conor Murray is a steady Eddie, will do everything right, physical, everything. Your man can come on, lift the pace of a match, a la the old Jack Farouk for France, who was a tiny little man. But Casey has this kind of general attitude, or he's got a, the attitude of a little general about him, a type of a Napoleon. He's pointing to space, he's shouting at a fellow out in the wing, you go there. He, he's like a little general, and he, I think in time he could become a, a wonderful player. My one misgiving about him is that he kicks with his left leg, which isn't altogether very advantageous if you're a scrum half. Mm moving from left to right out of, say, a scrummage. That's the only negative I have about him. But other than that, the guy, I think he could be a sensation. Who else stood out for you today, Moss? The, the most important thing in the first half was Tyke Furlong. Uh, Kilcoyne to a lesser degree, but Furlong is a world-class player. And he made big, driving, incisive, go-forward runs that got, that got us on the front foot. He's a world-class player, and he will do that against any opposition. Um, I thought your man Will Connors at blind side or at open side was fantastic in stopping their runners immediately at source with these chop tackles. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, other than that, standout, I would say the guy who came on, that's Philip Baird, the second row from Leinster, was excellent. Standout was his usual steady self, very, very strong. Tyburn, another man of the match performance. Mm. Brilliant. Um, in the back line, I would say Henshaw was good, yes. Um, and Keenan at full-back, his lines of running at times were world-class. He can be a bit um, nervous under the ball a little bit at times, but his lines of running were excellent. You mentioned Will Connors a minute ago. What did you make of that back row going forward? CJ, Byrne and Connors? Great back row. I mean... A, a fantastic background. Connors in particular, like and like Stanley, you will always get you'll always get he'll always give a ninety percent performance grade. Uh, Ty Bourne has been man of the match and all the things. So, and a wonderful compliment. You see, Standard isn't that tall. Ty Bourne is a second row playing blindside, and Connors isn't that tall. So they complemented each other each other very well. And like I don't know what's gone wrong with Jack Conan that he hasn't been picked on that panel all along. He came on then. And he's another excellent back row forward. I don't know why Farrell hasn't looked at him earlier this year. So we have a lot of strength in the back row, which is a very, very important part of the modern game. I mean, the, the new sort of attitude to how important the back row is, is that they say whoever wins the breakdown is going to win the match. And if you were a fellow like Connors and Tygburn and Stander there, and they're... They're poaching at the breakdown all the time. You have a great, st- you have a great chance of winning the breakdown. And as I say, win the breakdown, win the match. Back row forwards of that quality, we do have them, and I think it's it, it, it's only positive for the future with them. Well, it's nice for a change to start and talk some positives on Ireland. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking so negative because they've been losing. But if we were to pick out some negatives today, where do you think they need to improve on going forward facing Scotland? Well, I, I, I would suggest that there was a period there after we, we started very well, but there was, a, there was a lull in the middle of the first half where we got a little bit sloppy. The second half in, after scoring a try early, we got very sloppy for about 25 or 20, or about 25 minutes maybe in the middle of the second half. And I would say that in, in the ascendancy against a great team like that, the All Blacks would come along and they'd put 90 points on them. We lack that ruthlessness. 
whether the likes of Farrell or Cat can give us that ruthlessness going forward, I don't know. But we need that killer instinct to put 90 points on Italy. So that when we do come to a real test like that, we'll have the ruthlessness to beat the likes of Scotland and England when we are playing well. We, I, I don't think we're, we're... We certainly were in the ascendancy all the time, look at me wrong, but we got a little bit sloppy and we didn't execute properly under pressure. Now, the pressure will be a lot more intense against Scotland than England, so it remains to be seen how we'll perform in that. But as I said, going back to my initial point, Farrell and Cat are giving this team a licence to think for themselves out in the field and, and give them a little bit of freedom in the long term, which I think is good because Smith stopped all that spontaneity. So today was a, a building block for that. And maybe the next time when we're allowed to do it again, we might execute a little bit better, keep our concentration for the whole 80 minutes and maybe not just 50 or 60 minutes. Also, this performance and them being able to have a bit of creativity might give them a bit of confidence, Thomas. Absolutely, confidence. I mean, the more you do things with the ball in hand and try more things, the better you get at it. And, like, the thing about international rugby, and that's one thing that quite, I, I was delighted with Craig Casey, because he looked to be up to speed with. Things happen at international level a lot faster than they do at interprovincial level, a lot faster than they happen at, happen at, uh, than they do at club level. So it's to have the confidence to do things under pressure, at speed, and to keep doing it. And to be the repetition of that, and the, like, you, you, you can train for this, but you have to have the pressure of a match to execute it. It's one thing, it's the same as golf. You're playing golf with a card, without a card in your pocket. You can practice great on the driver, but when you bring it to the, to the actual event, can you deliver? And I think the more we do this offloading, the more we try this free, this free reign and this spontaneous sort of attitude, I think we'll get better at it. Even if we start losing a few matches in between, maybe, not to worry. At least we're, we're going to be playing more attractive rugby, more heads-up rugby, and I think that'll be more positive going forward to the next World Cup. Brilliant. And speaking of the next day out, I know Scotland will be a much bigger test. How do you think they're going to get on with them? I'd be looking forward to the Scottish match because at the end of the day, Scotland are probably the best at the moment. And um, they had a red car there against Wales. Other than that, they would have beaten Wales. I mean, Wales are the luckiest team in the world. We should have beaten them. We were down a man. Scotland lost a man. And then they, Wales came into the match and beat Scotland. So to my mind, Scotland will be an acid test because they're probably the best of the Six Nations this year on form. Townsend is, a, is another heads-up coach, to be fair to him. He has liberated Scotland. Scotland traditionally have played a very fast rocking game and heads-up rugby in the back. So it's, it, it'll be a wonderful clash and a great test for us. But I wouldn't be in the slightest bit intimidated. The only thing I'd be slightly worried about is, will Farrell pick the best team? Mm. That's the main. But we have a lot of choices. You alluded there to the back row with Connors and uh, Stander and Burn. I, if he picks our best team, I think we have a great chance. Well, great. Now that he has choices, I mean, players seem to be coming to form, which is great. I mean, it's a small bit too late, but anyway, they're coming to form at some stage. Yeah, <laughs> it is a bit late. It was a pity about the first two matches. And like I say there, I mean, it, it could have been, like Wales have two wins from two, and they could have lost two from two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We could, if we had a little bit of luck in Cardiff, we might have, you know, Burns had kicked the ball to the corner that time of the year, and we might have stoned it with 14 men, you know. And, and as we were talking about it, with the back, back row as well, like P.P. Romani, who lost out in that game. I mean, he's another wonderful player that we have in the back row. You know, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have the players. It's just getting the attitude right. Did you enjoy the game today for once, uh, Moss? Were you able to kind of relax a small bit watching it? I could, yeah, but see, you, you don't have the same sort of butterflies in your stomach as you would have for a, 
for for France or for England or for okay. Scotland or Wales, you know. That's the only thing that you, you you know you're going to beat Italy and it kind of takes from it slightly. But having said that, I enjoyed some of the rugby, that a lot of the rugby that Ireland played. And I love the way they went forward and offloaded in the tackle. And we have we have some very exciting talent and I'm looking forward to them getting, look, looking at them all. I mean, Lamar is a lovely runner with the ball. He runs at the ball in two hands. He, he's looking all the time. And they were, they're all trying to get their hands in behind and offload in the tackle. The next runner is coming on a good line and taking it on. I mean, it, it is refreshing. I know it was against Italy, but then I did enjoy it because we saw a little bit of open rugby for the first time in a long time. And we kept our ball in hand and we ran good angles. Look, it was a win for Ireland today, 48-10 to Italy. But before we let you go, Moss, uh, there was sad news during the week. A poor old Gary Halpin died at the age of 55, but he seemed like a right character, to be fair to him, Moss. He was, a, and God be good to him, he was a great character. And in, in the times when you could be a character in rugby, and Sean Fitzpatrick alluded to there on the examiner today where he said that he met Halpin at a time when you could go for a point with the opposition after a match. With professionalism, that has evaporated. But mm. and he was talking about the time that we were playing New Zealand who were in their pump and we had an average Irish team and Halpin scored against them after about seven or eight minutes. And he gave the finger to Fitzpatrick as much to say, like, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not just paddies, we can play rugby as well. And sort of half an hour later, we were after conceding about 100 points. So <laughs> Halpin was always slagged over that. He, he, he was a very, very colourful character and... A wonderful, a very good player as well, you know. But like the way sport has gone, it's 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 gone very very serious, and there's not enough room for fellas like him anymore, which is a great pity because the likes of him are, are what what makes the game. It made the game for me anyway, and the, the friends you make and the bit of crack, and he epitomised that, you know. I know, and it, you mentioned it there. It's not often that you maybe see a player's personality nowadays. You know, even post-match interviews, they're all very sure. kind of robot, and you know, you don't see them for who they really are. You don't, and like we we all we only find out know how regimental that Smith was. Yeah, like he used to even tell them just what to say in the press conferences. You know, so maybe like it, it's. It's it's a bit refreshing to see what Farrell and Cash are doing. I'm not persuaded by them yet, like, but you'd like to see the little bit of individual expression be allowed because at the end of the day, it's a game that we like watching and we don't like watching robotic stuff. Well, Mas, thank you so much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. We're looking forward to chatting to you again and hopefully it'll be another win the next day out against Scotland. Very good, Val, and lovely talking to you. All right, Moss Finn on Ireland's win today. Finally, a win for Ireland. Now, we're going to turn our attention to Camogie. Um, before I get into Gemma O'Connor and have a chat about Gemma and chat to Gemma, today was the GA Congress. And one woman, before we get into this, I'd like to speak about is Tracy Kennedy here in Cork. Um, she had a window of opportunity this morning to get a question in amongst all of her male colleagues and she queried where the GA was at in relation to their journey of integration of ladies football and camogie and GA all being under one umbrella and to be honest I'm so happy she did it I kind of fist pumped in the air and give a go on Tracy when she said it this morning um she posed her question at Congress and Director General Tom Ryan responded and said that is their main priority this year. So it was really nice to see. It was great that Tracy took her opportunity and, you know, took her opportunity and involved women in sport. And um, thank you, Tracy, for thinking of the women in sport and using your opportunity and your voice today. It made me so happy. Uh, so well done, Tracy. Now, this news made me very sad during the week. It was another retirement in Cork and it was announced. And this time it was Gemma O'Connor. 
Uh, Gemma has nine All-Irelands to her name and 11 All-Stars. She has won, she won her first All-Ireland medal, excuse me, in 2002, where she started the final at left halfback against Tipperary, with most recent triumph coming in 2018. Joining me on the Big Red Bench this week, I caught up with Gemma. Gemma, welcome to the show. Thanks a million, Valerie. Uh, how have you been? How have you been since the news? Um, I don't know. I suppose it's a bit overwhelming, really, to be honest. Um, I've kind of had it hanging over my head, really, for the last number of months. And then I suppose I just kind of made a decision to say, look, I'm going to make the decision, call Paddy Murray, talk to the girls and just go with it. And then from then on, since it's just kind of after, I suppose, snowballing and, you know, it's uh, it's just been a whirlwind, really, for the last two days. How did Paddy and the girls take the news? Um, to be fair to Paddy, you know, he was very genuine about it. Sometimes if I have doubts in my head and I ring him and he'll be like, I don't want to listen to it. It's grand. Come back to me, whatever, you know. But um, I think he knew maybe it was coming and look, he was very supportive and it was very genuine. And uh, look, you know, I told some of the girls and some of them were shocked and some of them, you know, were, you know, but they all wish me the best of luck and stuff. So look, it's, it's going to be hard not to be a part of it this year. And, um, you know, it's, might be a bit easier now but when you see them playing maybe whenever that is over the next few weeks or during the summer you know it's going to be a hard one to take yeah why now why have you decided now's the time um i suppose it's a combination of things um i suppose 2019 and being captain and all um it would have been brilliant to finish off on a high that way that wasn't to be the case we lost in the semi-finals of galway and then i kind of said to myself look I'm not going to f- maybe finish off that way and give it another go. I'm sure COVID hit then. Then it was a split season, the club. And then I decided to go back and give it another go for, you know, that, I suppose, maybe tra- trying to make the, the the wrongs right from the year before. And uh, sure, sport is so un- unpredictable. I got injured then just before the first round of the championship and I only ended up playing one one game. And I said to myself, after losing in Parky Cueve um, in the semi-final, I said, you're hardly going to go out like this now. So I just had a long think about it. And I, I just kind of weighed up the options and weighed up the pros and cons. And I said, look, you know, this year, not giving excuses, but, you know, it, might, it mightn't be any different. I could be injured again. I could be still chasing the, that dream of trying to finish off in a high and sport doesn't work like that. So, look... I just made a call and I just went with it. Do you think COVID maybe had an impact on your decision? You know, a lot of people are retiring and you'd think now because there might be a short window of championship season this year, you might have held on for another year because it might have been so short. Yeah, look, if I if I was being honest, I was probably trying to play it a small bit cute and wait for the fixtures and stuff to come out. And I was trying to kind of, you know, juggle around things and see what the options are and maybe would I go back again for another short season but um, look definitely COVID has put a has you know influenced my decision massively Um, I suppose I'm at that later stage in my life where I'm probably starting to feel aches and pains and niggles and you know the the whole training regime of at home is, is hard enough on anybody and I think you know I suppose I probably need that physio I need that strength and conditioning coach to get me over the edge I think I need probably the support of my teammates around me 
Um, you know, I feel a small bit disappointed as well because I'm like almost feeling like am I throwing the t- towel and, you know, am I leaving the players behind? Am I leaving myself down? I never want to admit defeat. Um, so, but look, I think I just have to be realistic as well with myself. And look, if we, if I played this year and we got to a final and we won and I got, you know, 10 All-Irelands, that would have been brilliant. But uh, I probably would have wanted to hold on for another year, hold on for another year and go for 11. So I don't think I'll ever be really happy with with, uh, with whatever way I finish. I think when you're just playing, you just always want more. So um, look, I just decided to go with it this year. Yeah, you, all of that. you could be thinking this shoulda, woulda, couldas, you know, that's probably what's going to go through your head a lot. And maybe once you see them return, that's probably when it'll hit home the most for you, Gemma. Yeah, um, you know, the last few days have been really emotional and uh, like all the memories and all the moments and not everything from like winning to losing, traveling down on the train, the crack, the the Saturday, Sunday morning sessions, which were horrific, um, but loved them at the same time. Um, you know, you'd be thinking about all those moments, your family, you know, after games and everything, but um Look, I've no doubt when I see them lining out and going playing during the summer, especially when the weather gets better and stuff like that, you know, it is going to be very hard to not to be a part of it. But look, that's just life and then you just have to kind of get on with it. I think this season will probably obviously be very hard, but obviously that the feeling of that will probably ease off after that. I know, as it proved, your last game was last November in the semi-final defeat to Kilkenny. And, you know, you've had plenty of appearances since, but to come up back after a punctured lung as well, I think you're you're going to be labelled a warrior forevermore after that that appearance. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a stupidity or is it just <laughs> stubbornness or what? I don't know. But, you know, when you're playing, you just want to get out there and... Uh, I don't know, just even just the way it happened just before the first round of the championship, I was like, oh my God, surely I'm going to get some minutes on the pitch, you know. So I was definitely adamant to try and get back for that. Um, sure, we had a blistering start and, you know, uh, I feel that maybe we threw it away, but then I feel that Kenny were smart enough and experienced enough to get on top of us and we just couldn't claw our way back out of it. So um, that's just the way it goes. But uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed already to finish off like that. I am going to get you probably your highest point in a minute and what you think stands out the most. But before we'll start with the lowest one, what for you maybe would stand out as the lowest point of the Camogie career for you? Um, it's kind of a tough one. Probably have a couple of them. I suppose two of them would be maybe losing in 2007 against Wexford, being captain by two points. I think we lost. Um, that was extremely disappointing. Um, again, going for a three in a row, something that we're kind of failing to be able to do. Um, so that was really disappointing. Um, but I suppose then as well, getting sent off in uh, in the final in 2016 against Lucheny, that was just the loss of the law. So I, I got sent off and I just had a quick look up in the stand and I could see the screen. I was just watching myself walking off the pitch, you know, and I was just like, oh, this is not good. Um, I suppose so. That was my probably the lowest, the lowest of the lowest. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what but, a low tab, Gemma. <laughs> um, but, and, 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 and to be fair, like, I think the girls kind of clawed their way back a small bit to only lose by four points and I was just like extremely disappointed it was like you know if that didn't happen what what could have been but 
you know, that's just the way it goes. Kilkenny were on top from start to finish that day and things just didn't go our way. And I suppose it was just everything from frustration and everything that had built up. And it was just, it was just one of those low points that, you know, I never wanted to repeat again. You played in 14 finals overall. I know you've nine of them collected yourself and you've 11 All-Stars, but what what is the high? What is what is the peak there for you? Um, you know, it's kind of, again, it's kind of a hard one. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of All-Irelands won. Uh, a lot of them shared with my family, especially my mother, but she passed away. So, like, some of those highs in the past were unbelievable. But if you're talking recently, um, I suppose the 2017-2018 finals um, against Kilkenny, I don't think maybe there were anything spectacular to watch. There were low-scoring games, they were tight. But I, I just think the fashion and the way we won it, and I don't know, I, I always just it kind of just puts a smile on my face in 17-18 final. Just I can't believe sometimes that, you know, we got our opportunity, we took it, it worked out, but it was just pure and utter chance and luck as well, you know, the right right place, right time. And then just to repeat it again in 2018. And uh, for me, they're my kind of recent uh, highs in, in during my career. They're just uh, two sweet wins, really, basically. Yeah, no, it certainly was two sweet wins. But um, how is work going for you? You know, I mean, oh, you're a member of the Irish Defence Force for as long as you're playing Camogie. Um, how has it been through our COVID times? Um, it has been busy. Um, I won't lie, it has been busy. Uh, it's been a busy 12 months. You know, it's very kind of uh, unpredictable and dynamic. So one, mo- one moment it could be really busy and then the next it could be a bit quiet and then it might pick back up again. And that all depends on, you know, the, the demand by, I suppose, of what's the current situation and what's happening. So, um, you know, the Defence Forces have been tasked with um, you know, testing and nursing homes and testing centres around the country, the likes of Park Creeve and the Aviva Stadium and smaller testing centres. You know, our ambulance has gone live um, helping out the National Ambulance Service. Um, and uh, we're going into the next phase now, which is the vaccination rollout. And we'll be tasked with that in the coming weeks. So it's been a fairly hectic t- 12 months. So, um yeah, look, that's that's probably you know another thing as well. Everything is kind of unpredictable for during COVID, like and uh, work isn't any different. So I suppose just weighing up the pros and cons of everything. I suppose taking all that into consideration as well. That you know, I don't know what the next few weeks is going to hold. What now, Gemma? What are you going to do with all your spare time? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I suppose I'll just take a. A step back, obviously I'll be playing club this year. We got to a county semi-final last year and the year before that the team is quite young. Um and you know, I feel that we're kind of in a good position. Look, as I said, sport is 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 very unpredictable. It doesn't necessarily mean that we'll get to an, you know a, a semi-final or a county final this year, but I definitely think we have a good chance. So I'm definitely um up for giving it a good crack with that this year and hopefully we can get something out of it. And are you planning a wedding at the moment? I know. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd never get married. Um, <laughs> when were you due to get married first day? Have you postponed a few times? Um, yeah, it's kind of been back and forward a few times. And look, we're still going ahead with it regardless, we said. 
Um, unless things change again. Um, but yeah, we'll look, we've stuck now with the 10th of, the ju- of July and whether it's 6 or 25, I think we're just going to go ahead with it again. Um, I suppose that's all based on we'd want to be kind of postponing things back and forth and waiting for things that like, you know, I might be travelling away at work maybe next year. And um, so, look, I think we're just going to go with it and hopefully that we'll have some bit of a summer anyways. Well, best of luck to both of you. I'm sure you'll have a fab day no matter who's there, as you said, close family or friends or whatever. Gemma, thank you so much for chatting to us on the Big Red Bench this week. It's been great to have you on. We'll miss you in the red jersey just as much as you'll miss putting it on. Thanks, Will and Valerie and Cher and see you around. And we'll miss the all-star trips as well. So uh, we'll have to stick around for that. <laughs> I'm going to have to try sneak you in an all-star trip. For anyone that yeah. doesn't know, myself and Gemma ended up on an all-star trip together in 2019. Was it 2019 at this stage? Yeah. Yeah, New York, wasn't it? 2019, New York, yeah. New York. Well, um, what happens on tour stays on tour, Gem. I think that's what's best said about that trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us in the show. Yeah, thanks, Valerie. Gemma O'Connor on her retirement this week. Uh, what an absolute legend. I mean... She's just such a lovely person to talk to as well and we wish her the best. Like, you can tell that it was a really difficult decision for her. Um, even when talking to her, I was talking to her on Zoom and video and you could just tell that emotions were still high. But um, congratulations to Gemma on such an amazing career. Cork Komogi has lost a good one. But um, yeah, enjoy the spare time. So on the way, in just a little bit, we're going to be chatting to Irish sprinter and Olympic hopeful Leon Reid. Also, we're going to get today's latest from the Congress. The GA Congress was on all day, what motions were passed. We're going to talk to John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner and we're going to hear Larry McCarthy's um, opening address at Congress. It's on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Cork's Red FM. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. All right, welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7 o'clock. So this week, I caught up with Irish athlete and he's an Olympic hopeful. His name is Leon Reid. Um, he was at the launch of the Olympic Federation of Ireland's new campaign. It's called Don't Scroll By. And this targets online hate speech and discrimination, which is very welcome. Um, what a great campaign. So let's take a listen. I chatted to Leon during the week. Leon, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Oh, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. How have you been keeping? Yeah, good. Um, a lot of COVID tests. Had another one yesterday. I thought she was looking for something in my brain, but managed to pass it at flying colours. So. <laughs> this is this is the life of an athlete now, constant COVID tests. I was chatting to um, Louise Quinn yesterday. She plays um, soccer here in Ireland and she said she's at least had 100 at this stage, but you're probably getting used to them, are you? No, they change every time. It's the, it's the, it's the short, sharp ones. They, uh, they get in there. It'd make you cry, so yeah, not ideal. <laughs> well, look, how has training been for you? I mean, look, you, you last weekend you had a micro meet, and oh my god, it was a festival of national records. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It was. I thought I had to step up just because I wanted to be involved in all the press. So, they the girls really went out. The eight hundred meter boys really put on a show. So. Phil Healy in the 400. I, I, I was going into warm-up and I was thinking, I better step up here. I'm going to be forgotten about. So I managed to come away with a couple of PBs. How was it? I mean, you know, you've had probably a couple of months without competitive action. It must have been nice to get back in there. Yeah, definitely. I haven't raced since February last year. So for me, it's been, well, a year. 
So for me to be on the start line is just a pleasure. So after the competition and stuff, I try to go around and say thanks to all the officials, the commentators, the medics, all the little people that put these things together because it's not just the sake of running on the track and qualifying for the Europeans. There's hundreds of people that go into just one event. So. How, have you find, how have you found training during COVID? Yeah, it's been tough. Um, some places obviously aren't open and the rules are changing weekly. Sometimes you can get in. Sometimes we go into another lockdown and then you've got to wait two weeks just so you're allowed to get back in again. So you're losing, well, at the moment, like six weeks worth of training. So it's just, it's tricky to try and stay on top of it. But I've got a good team around me and we're really trying to push through. So it's good. How are you keeping that motivation up? With the, with this bicep, getting the Olympic rings tied on this bicep. That's, that's where the motivation is. I've saved this arm for 11 years now. So <laughs> one way or another, those rings are getting on that arm. Will that be the first thing you do? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, when I get back, it won't be before I go. I need to be there first. So I'm going to run fast, come home, get, get the ring. So. Unreal. That's serious motivation. But first of all, before you go, you are going to the European indoors first. You're looking forward to it? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be a bit scary. It's not my event. So to be in the mix with some of the fastest accelerators in Europe is a crazy achievement just for myself. So to be in the mix is going to be really good fun, but I know it's going to put me in good stead for the 200 outdoors. I mean, probably going to the Europeans will probably give you a bit of a push and having someone beside you that's quick maybe will give you that push to get you maybe your PBs up a bit. Yeah, definitely. Just putting yourself in the best possible position to run fast is so important. So I'm actually in Madrid at the moment. I'm racing at the World Indoor Gold Tour, which has got... We've got hurdlers here that could break the world record tomorrow. There's long distance guys. There's, it's absolutely crazy. So to be in the mixture with these guys is absolute pleasure as always. So I can't just go there and mess around. I really need to get my head onto things. You have a race tomorrow in Madrid, isn't that right? I do indeed, yeah. 60 metres again. Okay, okay. And how are you set for it? I mean, you're after travelling from Ireland to Madrid. There's a bit jet lag. I know it's not far, but you know, the legs would be squished up in an airplane. It's not like you're able to run up and down the runway of a flight. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially after we had a long weekend as well of racing. So warming up, racing, warming down, warming up, racing, warming down. You've got to do that four or five times. So it's it's all part of the job. So hopefully I've prepared well enough and it should be, should be fine. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Olympics and will it go ahead or will it not go ahead? But you would like to remain positive and there's no point thinking any other way. It's going ahead in your eyes and that's it. Yeah, definitely. You've got to think positive. You can't think... Uh, it might not go ahead and you should stop training or do less training or prepare for the worst. I prefer prepare for the best. And then if something happens, then it happens. It's out of my control. But at the end of the day, there's, it's not just someone's got a cold and they can't put on an event. It's more just like there's hundreds of thousands of people dying and people are getting sick and stuff like that. So it's if they do cancel it, it'll be for the good of the athletes and the people involved. But obviously, I hope it goes ahead so I can represent Ireland there. Of course you do, of course you do. And no better man, I'd say, when you do go. But you are joining me today because the Olympic Federation of Ireland uh, launched a new campaign, Don't Scroll By. It's to combat, I suppose, hate speech online and discrimination. And I know a lot of us have been subject to online abuse. And, you know, it's great that a campaign initiative like this has been launched. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like it needed to be done. And especially when you see stuff on TV and stuff like that, it's always out of the picture. But with all of us coming together, we can really bring it close to home. It's not just athletes that get abuse. It's school kids, it's 
young adults, it's old adults, it's ex-athletes. It's not just me, myself and the Irish team. It's just anybody can abuse and the power to do it is just, there's not a lot to stop it. So we've got to do it in ourselves to, if you see it, report it and then get them banned. If there is a dark side to social media. I know you're on it and I'm on it and we're all on it. But have you yourself received anything bad? Yeah, definitely. Especially when I moved over, I used to compete for GB. And then I switched over to Ireland. My mum's Irish. So mm. it was more just like, oh, you can't, you can't, be, can't be Irish because you don't have an accent or you can't be Irish because you're black. And it's just, these are the thoughts that people have put. And they're not just thinking them, they're actually typing them and sending them to me. And it's just like, how did you come to that conclusion? My mum is from Ireland like we've probably got family friends that we didn't even know that we had so it's yeah it's very small small minded how did you feel when you got those comments yeah obviously they're tough to take but I don't I don't react to them I know that's why they do them they're looking for reaction whether it's good bad or ugly Um, if you react it's kind of like bullying if you feed them they're going to do it again so I just see it read it block it report them so yeah, well, no, it's great. It's great that you've all come together to launch this campaign. Don't scroll by. I will share the details on it over on our Twitter at The Big Red Bench. Well, best luck on your race tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll be oh, chatting cheers. to you again before you probably head to Tokyo, no doubt. And I'll be looking forward to seeing the yeah. rings and your the biceps when you come back. Yeah, I just need to grow them first. They're, they're tiny. <laughs> I was going to show you mine, but then I chickened <laughs> out, to be honest, Leon. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us in The Big Red Sorry, Bench. Pleasure. Leon Reid chatting to me there during the week on Zoom. We were chatting. Um, there you are. I asked him what motivates him. And he said getting the tattoo of the Olympic rings on his bicep is what motivates him. Sure, look, whatever gets them that gold medal. Um, that was Leon Reid. Great to chat to him and a, and a really nice initiative. Um, Leon was subject to abuse online. So he teamed up with the Olympic Federation of Ireland for that campaign. Don't scroll by if you want to take a look at that online now. Now, I did mention that GA Congress was today. So joining me on the Big Red Bench after his long day on the GA Congress team's call is John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner Gaelic Games correspondent. Uh, John, all day, all we heard on GA Congress was, can you unmute your mic? Hello, can you unmute your mic? I think it proved a bit difficult for some of the delegates online on the teams, John. It did, Valerie. Listen, it, it was ambitious for the GA to, to go ahead with this, and there was a lot of, there wasn't just teething problems. It, throughout the whole thing, Valerie, there were, there were issues with videos being played when it came to trying to provide examples of what the, the playing rules committee were trying to change, such as the sin bin, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. And there was a lot of technical issues, and uh, they got it done. But, you know, there was only two votes. You know, a lot of it was done by, well, if nobody's going to oppose this, then we're going to vote it by a claim. That was the, the word of the day, vote by a claim. So basically, if nobody was given out about it, it was going to be voted through. And so we had, what, 37, 38 motions, rather than all of them were passed. Only two, as I said, went to a vote. One of them was descendant. So uh, progr- you could say it was a proactive day by the GA, but it, it like just speaking to Tom Ryan there in the press conference afterwards, rather, he said, I sure hope we don't have to go through this again I think we all said we didn't want another winter All-Ireland Championship again and I think we don't want another virtual annual Congress again No yeah I know I can understand for a lot of people that it was there was a lot of teething issues but since you mentioned it um, some motions were spoken about today and it probably few stands out for a lot of people in the and you did mention the black card and hurling Um, I did get some of this that Limerick, Kilkenny and Galway were against the idea but Watford, Cork and Tip were first so it went to a vote 
It did, it did very, and it was interesting that Kilkenny went against it, considering that they, uh, Ned Quinn, uh, the, well, he's the outgoing Central Competitions Control Committee chairman, and he's now a GA trustee. He got voted in this morning. He was the Central Council, Council Delegate for Kilkenny that, uh, along with Tipperary and Westmead, proposed that this motion go ahead and be debated now as opposed to a special Congress, which they hope to hold in person at the end of the year for the, 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 the to the, decide on the, the football championship structure. So it was a bit surprising that Kilkenny made a, a U-turn on that, but clearly they were mandated by their clubs to do that. Uh, there was, a, I think, there was an acceptance that cynicism is a problem in Ireland, but some people wanted to act now, and that was the likes of Tipperary's John Costigan, um, Cork were very strong for it as well. As we know, uh, Cork voted for every um, motion this year, which was uh, strange in, in many ways because there's usually one that they, they oppose, but they were definitely for it. As you said, Wexford, Waterford were all for it. So I went to a vote. Uh, it took a while to uh, tally up the, the votes because um, it was a very convoluted way of doing it, rather, but they, they got it done. And so it, on an experimental basis, the cynical foul comes in this year. Um, it, it applies to Gaelic football and hurling. Um, so basically, it's not actually, they're not showing a black card in hurling. It's going to be a yellow card and you're basically going to be sent to the line if you commit w- one of a number of cynical fouls that denies a goal scoring opportunity within the 20 metre line or uh, in the semi the semi circle, so that is that's really the nub of it. It's going to put a little bit of pressure on referees. There's no doubt about it. But I think we saw a lot of issues um, last year with um, the, the cynicism when we saw the likes of Shane Kingston being brought down at games. We saw Shane Callan being brought down in the game, and a couple of issues in the All Ireland final as well. Um, as much as one of them was when the game was really pass Waterford at that stage, but. They can't say that, you know, the GA are being seen to act on something here. Now, you know, there has already been suggestions that this is going to lead to uh, simulation and uh, guys faking injuries and, and diving and whatnot, whatnot. You would hope hurling is above that. You know, we do see a bit of it in football, but you would hope that hurling is above that. And it has to be tackled in some shape or form, Valerie. And now it's going to come in on a one-year experimental basis for the leagues if they take the pace this year and the championship. People really changed their tune, John. I mean, last year, I think it was 82 votes to 18. We're totally against it. And now here we are today, where the 61% to 39 were for it. That's it, Barry. But I think the, the kind of the caveat here is that it's restricted to the 20 metre line and the, and the semicircle, whereas last year it was just a straight out black card. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it, I don't think there was a lot of um, work done in the build-up to it. There wasn't really examples that they could have cited, whereas there was, I think you could have listed 10 or 12 uh, times uh, during the last championship when clear goal-scoring opportunities were denied by an act of cynicism of some sort, where it was pulling down a guy, tripping a guy, or um, just um, body-checking him. Um and, and you know we've done the studies the Irish examiner have done the studies anyway that the, the, the goals goals are going down at a worrying rate in hurling and we all know goals are what makes uh, what makes hurling Jerry McNamara was saying that um, on Kilkenny Radio last weekend it, it, goals are going down and it is a concern it's not the primary reason why goals are going down but cynicism definitely is contributing to uh, 
contributing to the teams either choosing not to go for for goals because they know they're going to be taken down. Um, you know, it's those shall not pass. That really is the 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 the, the motto now of defense defensive play in hurling. Um, they're either not doing that or um, they're just not being allowed to. Valerie, and that's uh, it's it, it's a good move. It might need tinkering over the next while, but at least it's there on an experimental basis, and it can be looked at. If not at the end of the year, special congress, then maybe annual congress next year. Yeah, great. And another motion that was passed today, which will be, I suppose, welcomed by a lot of people, is the split split season, John. July for the All-Ireland Finals are passed. That's it, Valerie. It just paves the way. Like we, we're all assuming this year is going to be a split season, but that's all up in the air at the moment because you know we are the master fixtures uh, plan that was put together at the end of December, which was signed off by the GAA. Um, it's worth nothing now, really, because as much as they hope that they're going to keep to those structures, as much as they b- believe that that um, you know count, it's going to be county first, there will be league, although it'll be on a truncated um, format, and there will be a championship. Like you've had Tom Ryan already saying today that. The, the Tag Team Cup which is obviously the the secondary competition for the championship the equivalent of the Joe McDonough Cup um, in, in football uh, for football I should say will not be um, will not become uh, will, is unlikely to come in so you know there there are worrying signs there but at least for next year they've been given the go ahead to if they want to bring the, the All-Ireland Finals into July that would basically more or less give if you include January really as a warm-up month and December as a closed month so you're really looking at what six months for uh, five five to six months for inter county and then five months for exclusively and then exclusively for county championships and uh, provincial club championships and all Ireland club championships in the latter half of the year. Now, obviously, there's going to be some, um, there's going to be overlap between club league matches and uh, county uh, inter county championships. That, that's that's simply just going to happen, but it's going to give hopefully more certainty and we're living in a time where there's little certainty at the moment about what the pandemic gave the GA last year was an opportunity to see that club players were relishing playing during the summer in the best months and um, you could see inter-county players were enjoying their time being back not feeling like imposters with their clubs they were back playing a lot with them they enjoyed it club players enjoyed it and uh, if it does give certainty, if it gives the opportunity to club players to be able to plan their year around when the championship games are, then it, it's going to be a big move because, um, and, it, and it will certainly help Valerie in terms of um, uh, cutting uh, cutting down on the amount of dropouts uh, among players, especially those around you know their late teens and early twenties. Yeah, look, there's so much we could get through. I know the other motions, I suppose, the one captain to lift the cup and trophy. I see that's getting a lot of stick online, the mm. Mayor Fern as well. You know, it's there's so many, John, that we could get into. Anyone that sticks out for you the most? The two you mentioned, Valerie, are definitely like, it's great to see the concussion substitute come in. I do have some reservations about it in that it could be abused by players to, to waste time and things like that or just to get a fresh pair of legs on the on the field. You'd hope it wouldn't be, but yeah. um, let's see how that develops. The Marifornia, uh, that was going to happen, I think. They, they, that nearly got passed last year. They tried it again this year and there was, I think, Limerick were the only people who spoke against it and John Cregan and Fernestone was only, he was just putting the hand up. I know the GPA were against it. They didn't speak about it. Um, so uh, Greg Kennedy can be blamed for that. He, I, I get on very well with Greg, but uh, uh, I was on to Matt as well after this because he was highlighted as an example of what not to do with Marifornias. And uh, yeah, that's the end of that, Valerie. And then obviously, as you mentioned, the, the joint captaincy, I have absolutely no idea 
we just, I'm just after a press conference where twice it was asked and still nobody has an idea why this is being brought forward. Someone, uh, I believe, has been suggested that it was to tidy up the whole match presentation, but I'm not buying that. It's it's a very peculiar one, and the fact that it wasn't even voted on today, it, um, it, it was brought in by Centre Council, very strange, rather. Yeah, look, it was, and I think there's a, a lot more that people are going to look into over the next couple of hours, and people kind of read of it online as well, a few more. I know we're stuck for time, but Larry McCarthy becoming the 40th president of the GA Association. That's it, yeah. Uh, Bishop's town man and mentioned his club a lot. Um, you know, he's never lost his accent, as I said. Uh, it's 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 uh, just shows you how how far the G, like you know when and there will be a female GA president. You would imagine over the next twenty years, but uh, a first overseas president is, is a huge thing. Uh, I spoke to him last week, Valerie, and he got vaccinated. That's the reason why he was so slow in getting back into the country. But he, he, himself and his wife Barbara have bought an apartment in 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 Dublin. They're here for the three years and. Uh, he, he looks. He wants to get the games back. That's his big priority to get the games back, and then to get the, the crowds back. Anything after that, as he said to me himself, his whole agenda had to change. So that's his priorities at the moment: the games and then the crowds. Yeah, exactly. And I, I did hear him speak about wanting children back playing in places opening once the schools are, which is also great. I have a clip, and I'll play that in just a little bit for everybody. But John, you're on that call now since ten a.m. this morning to about half five. So I think you need to go away and have a good relax for yourself. All right. Valerie, thanks very much. Thanks, John. All the best. John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner, Jay Correspondent. You can catch his articles in the paper every day. Um, he's some man to keep going. Now, we did mention that we were chatting about Congress, all right? It's where delegates meet to discuss and vote on proposed changes to the rule book. But Larry McCarthy is also now the 40th president of this association today. Uh, before I play um, a little snippet of him becoming the GA president today in his first address, I did catch up with him this time last year um, about life in COVID when he was. Uh, crowned president, life in COVID in New York and the racism in New York. He spoke about George Floyd riots at the time. Um, it's a really interesting interview. If you want to check it out, I have shared it on my Twitter today. Um, my Twitter handle is Valerie Wheeler. So go have a look at it. Um, so you can see what kind of man he is heading into being GA president. Now, let's take a listen to a short snippet of his first address on becoming GA president today at Congress. Allow me to digress here to personal matters for a few moments and say what an incredible honour it is for me and my family that I'm addressing you as Oakdoran. I owe a huge debt of gratitude to my lovely wife Barbara and to our sons Connor and Shane, not only for the support they've provided me, but for the freedom that they've given me over the years to pursue GA activities. I'm delighted that Barbara is here with me in Dublin in isolation, but sad that the two lads, due to various travel restrictions, are back in New Jersey watching on a media platform. It's also a huge honour for my siblings, Aiding, Patsy, Maeve, Una, Fiona, Neil, Mary and Brian. And I've no doubt that my mother and father, Larry and Aiding, are looking down on me. My mother probably with a wry smile saying, don't mess this up. I've enjoyed the GEA through a variety of friend clubs and I'm very grateful to each for the significant contribution they've made to the fact that I'm addressing you today. First, I thank the members of Bishopstown GA Club for their support. I've been out of the town for many years, but your home club is your home club, no matter where you are, and Bishopstown is mine. The members of Thoman College GA Club gave me the opportunity to develop an interest in managing a club rather than playing, allowing me to attend Limerick County Board meetings and higher education council meetings was an education. I'm very, very grateful. 
Dr. Rahini, GA Club where I played for a number of years before going abroad to study. My gratitude to you and good wishes to our club president, Tosh Gallagher. And to my home from home for the last 36 years, the Sligo Football Club in New York. To suggest that you are skeptical in the dressing rooms in Gaelic Park when I asked you to nominate me as Oakthron would be an understatement. Dare I say that you are now members of one of the most well-known clubs in the world. Famous rather than infamous for once. Thank you. My gratitude to the New York GA Board, John Henchy, Liam Birmingham, Lawrence McGrath, Brendan O'Sullivan, Claire, Tom Fahey, Joe Pronti, and a whole host of other people over the years. There's no doubt that my GA credentials come from the corner of 240th Street and Broadway, and you're very much part and parcel of that. I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that this is a special occasion for the diaspora. I'm very cognizant of the thousands of GA people who have expanded our games across all corners of the world. But today I think of Martin Grogan in Warwickshire, Pat Uniac in San Francisco, John Lacey in London, Trace Crow in New York, Seamus Sullivan and Gerald Rowe in Australia, and Mike O'Connor Galway in Boston. There are two, two Mike O'Connors, by the way, in Boston, distinguished by where they come from, and Mike O'Connor Galway is currently Chief President of the USGEA. I also acknowledge two great stalwarts of the association no longer with us, the late Seamus Dooley in New York and Tyke Meehan in Lancashire. As I have accepted, magically, Bowen and Oakthron, I want to pay tribute to the leadership of John Horne. He was thrown into an unprecedented circumstance last year. He did not know what he faced when the virus hit, nobody did, but with a steady hand and an eye in the end game, he has led us through perhaps the strangest 12 months in our history. I thank him, I thank his family, Paula, Jack and Liam on your behalf. And if I could create a standing ovation, I would create a standing ovation on Zoom. It is exceptionally well-deserved, John. On behalf of everybody. I finished my remarks last year after the election, ladies and gentlemen, by saying, I'll see you all in NIDS. This year, I finished my remarks by saying, I'll see you all at a match summer, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Now, a really lovely personal address today from our new GA president, Larry McCarthy. What a nice way to finish by hopes to see us all at game soon. And a really nice special mention to Bishopstown GA. Now, his address, he had loads in the address. That was just a snippet of it. But um, something that stood out for me was that he has asked the government to allow children some activity that when the schools are back. So let's take a quick listen. I would, however, respectfully ask the authorities that we be allowed to have activity for our children in our clubs once the schools have safely opened. We showed last year we can do this very, very effectively. Acknowledging the circumstances are now more onerous, there is no doubt in my mind we can do it again. This will have a threefold effect. It will get our children engaged in organised physical activity with their friends. It will allow the parents a slight relief from the stress of the pandemic and it will bring fun back into many people's lives. To the public health authorities, Please give consideration to this request. We did it last year. We can do it again. Now, so there you go. You never know what might come of that over the next few days. But congratulations to John Horn, outgoing president, and the very best of luck to Larry McCarthy. We hope to have a chat with him in the coming weeks um, here on the big red bench once he gets a chat and settled into his new role. But that is it for me tonight. A quarter by seven tonight, do not forget. Um, the 2020 TG Car All-Ireland uh, Champions All-Stars programme will be on TG Car Pelham on uh, Fernan and Melina. So it's going to show the cream of the crop. It's going to be player of the year, teams of the year, junior, intermediate 
and senior. So that's going to be a great watch tonight. Um, that's it for me. Rory's on tomorrow night at six o'clock. I'm back next Saturday from six. And Stevie G is on the way next. Lon. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.